In the previous Mishnah, we learned of a machlaikas between the Chachomim and Rebeliez ben Yaakov concerning partners who jointly own a courtyard. Specifically, a chotzer she'ein bodin chaluka, a courtyard which is too small to allow one of them to force the other to split the courtyard. So for the meanwhile, at least, it's considered to be owned by both of them. And according to the Chachomim, it is constantly viewed as being shared by both Ruvain and Shimon. Whereas according to Riyaz ben Yaakov, based on the principle of Breira, which we explained, we view it that as long as Reuven is using it, it's viewed as being totally Reuven's and not at all Shimon's. Whereas when Shimon is using it, it's viewed as being totally Shimon's. So what happens if somebody from the marketplace, meaning another person, we'll call him Levi, was forbidden under a nether to benefit from either Reuven or Shimon, let's say, for example, he was forbidden to benefit from Reuven, so according to the Chachomim, though we constantly view the courtyard as being partly owned by Ruvain and partly owned by Shimon, so Levi is forbidden to enter the courtyard because Ruvain has a share in that courtyard. However, Blesman Yaakov, Blesman Yaakov says, Levi is able to say to Ruvain, I'm entering into your friend's part of the courtyard. Meaning right now you're not using the courtyard. And so right now I'm viewing it as belonging to the other partner, Shimon, and not entering into your part of the courtyard, into your courtyard. And we are going to understand that we're specifically talking about a case where Levi is entering the courtyard in order to do something for Shimon. And because of that, it is relevant to say that at that time it's considered to be totally Shimon's. And because it's totally Shimon's, it is not Ruvain's, and therefore he's not considered to be benefiting from Ruvain's property. Mishnah Gimel, we're going to see in the second half of this Mishnah that if somebody makes a neder against somebody else's property, and he specifies that the neder is only as long as it is his property. So if that person sells the property to somebody else, then it will be permitted for the person who is forbidden under the neder to benefit from that property. Now that is not the case if he only rents it to somebody else. If he rents it to somebody else, he's still considered to be the owner and therefore the prohibition would remain. However, what happens if already at the time that he made the nether, let's say Ruven makes a nether that Shimon cannot benefit from his property, and already then Ruven had rented out something of his to somebody else. The question is, is that included in the nether or not? It is certainly considered to be his property, but it could be that he doesn't intend to include that at all in, in the nether since already then it's not in his domain and it's, and it's being used by somebody else. Hamudan Omechaveir says the Mishnah, somebody who is forbidden to benefit from his friend, so Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain, and Ruvain has a bathhouse or an olive press rented out in that city to somebody else. If Ruvain still retains a hold on that property, so he hasn't totally rented it out in its entirety, and the Rishonim give various examples of what this might be. For example, it could be he literally left a part of the property not rented out, or it could be that he rented out the entire thing, but he said that a particular percentage of the money which you get from all the people paying for the bathhouse will come to me. But as it may, since he has a hold on that property still, we assume that he does include it in the neder, and he does forbid Shimon from benefiting even from that, and therefore also Shimon is forbidden. However, if Ruin did not keep for himself any hold over that property, then we assume that when it comes to him making the neder, he doesn't include that 
in what he is prohibiting Shimon to benefit from, because he no longer has anything to do with that property at the current moment, and therefore mutter, it is permitted for Shimon to benefit from that. Alright, and the second half of the mission tells us that Oimela Chaveir, when he says to his friend, I'm making a neder on your house that I won't enter it, or on your field that I won't buy it. Mace, if that person died, the owner of the house or the field died, or he sold it to somebody else, mutter, it is permitted for this person to then buy it, or to enter it, since the entire prohibition was only as long as it is sodcha, or beischa. It belongs to that person, but once it no longer belongs to him, it would be permitted to benefit from. However, if he said, made a neder on this house that I won't enter it, or this field that I won't buy it, so he is not specifying that it needs to be belonging to that person for the neder to apply. And therefore, even if if the owner dies or sells it to somebody else, also it would still be forbidden. One of the ways to designate something to the Beis HaMikdosh is something known as a Cherem. And the result of a Cherem is really exactly the same as any other designation to the Beis HaMikdosh. It's just that the expression which you use is slightly different, but really it's just a way of designating something to the Beis HaMikdosh. So if somebody says, I am, I am upon you like a Cherem, he is really making a neder, and he's saying that I am like Hektosh. That's Hatpasa on a Dovah Hanodor like we learned earlier on in the Masechda. So let's say Reuven says to Shimon, I am upon you like a cherem, ha-mudar asur, the mudar Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Reuven. Now what happens if Hare at olai cherem, if Reuven says to Shimon, you are upon me like a cherem, then Hanoi asur, of course, then Reuven will be forbidden to benefit from Shimon. And if he says, Hare ni olecha at olai, I am upon you like a cherem, and you are upon me like a cherem, shnei masurin, they are both forbidden to benefit from each other. Now, so far, this is all quite obvious. The second half of the Mishnah is more what the Mishnah is coming to tell us, and that is, in a case where you have two people who are forbidden by a neder to benefit from each other, they are both permitted to benefit from something of those coming up from Bovel, and we'll explain what exactly that means in the next Mishnah, and they are forbidden to benefit from something belonging to that city. There are certain things belonging to a city where the members of the city have a say in what is done with those things. For example, when it comes to selling it, the members of the city have a say as to whether to sell it or not. And because of that, the those items are viewed as being owned jointly by all the members of that city. And therefore, if I am forbidden to benefit from one of the members of that city, I am also forbidden to benefit from anything owned jointly by all members of the city, because I would thereby also be benefiting from that person. However, there are certain things which are considered public property, but not that they're jointly owned by particular members of a city whose opinions are taken into account in terms of what should be done with that property. There are other types of property which are considered owned by the entire Jewish people. For example, and this comes back to the Ole Bovel, which refers to those who came up for the Sholish Regolim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos, the majority of the people who came up from outside of Eretz Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael for the Sholish Regolim came from Bovel, and they needed water because it was a very long journey to get to Yerushalayim, and so many pits of water were dug on the way so there will be water available for those coming up for the Sholish Regolim. And this is viewed as public property owned by absolutely everybody, owned by the Jewish people as one body, as one group of the Jewish people. 
but not as individuals. And as such, if I am forbidden to benefit from a particular member of the public, that doesn't mean that I'm forbidden to benefit from these pits or from other public property, because that's not owned by many, many individuals. Rather, it's owned by the Jewish people as one collective body, and therefore it is not included in the neder. What is an example of something of those people who come up from Bovel for the Shalish Regalim? And the point is, we're asking for examples of public property. You could go in Harabayas, like Harabayas, which is the mountain upon which the Beis Hamikdash rests, Vohazoros, and the courtyards of the Beis Hamikdash, the Habur, Shabemtsaderech, and pits of water in the middle of the path, of the paths, and the roads on the way to Yerushalayim. The Ezo Domishal Esar what is considered to be something belonging to that city and to all of the individuals of that city. You could go in Harachova, for example, the town square, the Hamerchots, or the public bathhouse of that city, or the shul, the hateva, the orna kodesh, the sifri Torah. We're referring to those which belong to the city, and it's considered owned by all of the individuals of the city jointly. Now, if you think about it, this is a very big ramification of every neder. Until now, we've been talking about if Ruvain makes a neder against Shimon, so it's not the end of the world. Shimon is still able to benefit from absolutely everything in the world and from everybody in the world, except for one person, Ruvain. But now we're discovering that that's not the case. As soon as Ruvain makes a neder that Shimon can't benefit from him, he becomes forbidden to benefit from all these things as well. The bathhouse, the town square, the shul. So is there a solution? The Mishnah says there is indeed a solution. And let's go for now with a case where both Reuven and Shimon are forbidden to benefit from each other. The way they can solve the problem of benefiting from these public things of the city is the Hakkais of Chilkalanossi. Each one should write his share in the city's property. He should write that over to the leader of that city. Could be referring to the king of that city or the head, the one who is in charge of that city. If they do that, then they know then both of them no longer have a share in that property, in which case it will be permitted for both of them to benefit from it. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, The solution would be whether he writes it to the leader of that city or whether they write it to a regular person. They don't need to write it specifically to the leader, the one who is in charge of the city. The point is they have to make sure that they no longer have a share in that city's property. So if so, why did the Mishnah say and talk about the one who is in charge of the city? What's the difference between somebody who writes over his share to the leader of the city, to the one who writes it over to a regular person? Answers the Mishnah, Because one who writes over the property to the one who is in charge of that city, he does not need to perform a legal act of transfer of ownership because he's considered to be a more important figure. So the way that one transfers ownership in such a case to him, it's enough that you just relinquish your share to him and you write it, but you don't actually have to perform a legal transfer of ownership by giving it to him or to somebody else on his behalf. But it's enough that you just write over your share to him. On the other hand, the Chachom argue and they say, whether this and whether that, you do need to perform that action of transferring ownership, even when it comes to the Nossi, the one who is in charge of the city. But if that's the case, then why did the Mishnah speak of a Nossi? He's no different to any regular person. The answer is they only spoke about the Nossi because that was the more common case. Reason being that if you write it to another individual, then you've always got the concern that perhaps he might make a neder that you can't benefit from him. 
and then you would be forbidden to benefit from anything of that city again. Whereas if you write over your share to the leader of that city, so he's extremely unlikely to make a nether prohibiting you from benefiting from him, and thereby from the city's property. Alright, and the Mishnah ends off by telling us that Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda says, The residents of the area called Golil never need to write over their share in the city's property in order to permit somebody who made a neder to benefit from that. Because their fathers and ancestors already wrote their shares over to the head of the city because there were many arguments which took place in the Golil and people would end up making Nadorim quite often so all of the residents of the Golil ended up giving over their property their share in the city's property to the Nasi and therefore these people never inherited a share in the city's property because it had all been given over to the head of the city